Well, welcome to uh, tonight's deep dive. I'm way out of my comfort zone. <laughs> Amen. Um, these kind of teachings, you have to be structured. You can't afford to do what I do. <laughs> you got to be structured. So this is... Um, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, the book of uh, Romans is um, one of the most difficult. Uh, I, I wonder, I don't know what got into me for me to say that to Pastor Chris, that I would like to teach the book of Romans, because um, <laughs> it's one of the very challenging books in the Bible, but very deep as well. Now, the book of Romans is actually the, I would like to call it the constitution of Christianity. Because it's, it's really deep, it's, it details how you are supposed to live. It details where we, we come from and where we are going. He, Paul is the author of the book of Romans. Now, if you look at Paul, Paul, before he became a Christian, he was a well-educated man in that time. He was well-educated in the law from the... the he, from the eighth year, he sat down with the teachers of the law and he was well taught. And then he, he encounters uh, Jesus on his way to Damascus in, in Acts chapter, chapter 9. Well, the story actually starts from chapter 8 where Stephen is stoned. And uh, Paul was there, the Bible says Paul was there holding the garments of the people that were stoning Stephen. Did I say Paul? What did I say? Can't follow my thoughts. So the stoning of Stephen is where Paul comes onto the scene. And then as you go on in the book of Acts, it says he, is, he was persecuting the church. He was so zealous of what his belief was. You know, this is the thing about people that are zealous. This is why God wants people that are full of zeal in the house because you can be on the, other, on the other side very zealous, but when God converts you and come in, you, you still take, it's very rare to find someone who was zealous in the world who comes and becomes passive in the church. When you come, God uses you as you are. God, God has equipped you in that which you are. And when you come over, when you cross over, God uses you in that same tenacity that you had. So Paul comes out of persecuting the church vigorously and he comes into the, onto the scene and becomes one of the greatest apostles because of what he was, because of what his character was. He's, he's a person that was zealous. Now, uh, so the, the, the authorship of the book is um, Paul. There's no, there's no uh, the, some of the books in the New Testament, people assumed it was written by such and such, but Paul actually says in the beginning of the chap in the beginning of chapter one that he is the author of the of the of the apostle epistle. Jeez, English. <laughs> Jesus help me. <laughs> so the book was written um, around 57 and 58 AD. Uh, Author, scholars say he was in Corinth when he, when he, when he wrote this, uh, this letter to the Church of the Romans. Now, Paul is not the one who planted the church in Rome. 
unlike the churches in Corinth and other ones. So the, the origin of the church in Rome is not really, it's, it's not definite how the church started. But the assumption is the, it was the Gentiles that came to the, during the Passover feast where the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went back to Rome and started the church. But there was a lot of things that were involved in the church because the church was comprised of the Gentiles and Jews such that there was a lot of tension. Now the Jews had the law. They were taught and brought up in the law. They, were, they had ways of doing things. They were supposed, there were things, the, 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 the way they were brought up under the law and they wanted to impose some of the things that are under the law to the Gentiles. That for you to fit into this, for you to become a Christian, you need to be circumcised. This is some of the things that will come up in the conversation. That they, they wanted people to live by the law for them to be justified. And Paul comes onto the scene. As we go on into the, chap into, in, into the book, you, real, you realize Paul talks about being justified by faith, not by the law, not by the works not by what you have done. It's not what qualifies you to become a Christian. The theme of the book is the justification of all men through the gospel rather than the works as of the, uh, the Old Testament law. Romans is generally considered a very difficult book, like I said, to understand. Paul was addressing the church in Rome, uh, like I, I, I stated, the origins of the church. And then the outline of the book from chapter 1 to 11, Paul explains the justification of uh, justification by the gospel, not uh, justification by faith and not by the law. The Gentiles having reject, rejected God needed the gospel, like from verse 1, 16 to 32, uh, Paul talks about that. The Jews also sinned and they needed the gospel. Now, the, the, the gospel was... Christianity was for the Jews initially. This is why the Bible says in the book of John that he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. They rejected him, but to as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. So we become, we become grafted in as Gentiles into the body of Christ by faith not by the works that we do, because no one, no one could do enough good deeds to qualify to become a Christian. To tell the very honest truth, if this was the measure that was supposed to, for us to qualify to become Christians, none of us would really qualify. I, for one, would be probably the very, at the very bottom of the list because my, my ways are not um, straightforward. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And you also find out that the, 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 the book of Romans talks about being justified by grace, the, the abundance of grace. And it, it brings sometimes a lot of confusion with teachers and the church that people say, if we are under grace, then we can sin. Nothing will defile us because we are under the grace you know, I have actually heard this gospel priest where people will excuse what they are doing by the fact that we are living under the grace. But to tell the very honest truth, if, if you have tested the grace of God, it will cause you not to want to sin. 
Because if you understand, if you understand the grace, if the revelation of the grace has come upon you, it will cause you not to want to sin at all. You cannot use it. It's not an excuse because if you understand what it is, that I am the one who was supposed to, to hang on that tree. I'm the one who was supposed to have those nails in my body. And, and Jesus, he, he substituted my, my place. He took my place and he hung on the yet without sin. It is something to die for someone, to die for a good man. But it's, it's, it's very, how many of us here would say you go to prison and say, instead of this one, who, fortunately Australia doesn't have the death row, you know, to, to go, to, to, to go and, and opt to, to be killed instead of a criminal that has murdered people. This is exactly the exchange that Jesus did. We were supposed to be hung. We were supposed to go into the electric chair or that lethal injection. But he takes our place. Well, when we understand that, when we understand such grace, we will know that it's not an excuse. Grace is not an excuse to sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> now, there are, there, are, there, are, there are things that the, books of, uh, the book of Romans really focuses on. It focuses on the gospel. The gospel is a message of good news of salvation through Christ. Romans 1 verse 16. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who truly believe. Faith, is, faith in the gospel comes by hearing the word, the word which gives us the leap of faith, by the direct operation of the Holy Spirit in the word. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So no one can really develop faith. I'm not talking about just, you know, because faith, the way faith is taught in most cases is like, it's, it kind of almost becomes like a fantasy, like a spiritual fantasia where you, you, you fantasize, I want, I want a big house, you know, you, and you start thinking of how you're going to decorate the house and things like kind of a fantasy but faith is way different from that faith is more than just fantasy faith comes by knowing who god is knowing what god can do what the capacity the extent of his grace that's what builds faith true faith is knowing who god is and what he has done knowing that he is my father and whatever I ask for in the name of Jesus is given me because of my status, my position as a child of God. The other part, the other thing that the book of Romans focuses on is the law. In Romans, law refers primarily to the Old Testament system or commands or rules. This is similar to the book of Galatians. So the teaching of Galatians or other books confirm the confirms and helps us understand the teachings of the Romans. Romans 2, uh, 17, 20, 25, and 10, 15, in order for one to be considered righteous before God under the law, he had to keep it or do it. Not the law refers to the law that the Jews relied on, including circumcision. The law itself had a blessing only to those who did everything that was required without ever sinning. This was the qualification of the law. So if you broke one of them, you were guilty of all of them. 
So this is how difficult it was to, to live under the law, that you really had to be a straight arrow. You couldn't afford to, to be lustful and, and, and keep the Sabbath, which is what a lot of it is, is now. I'm not mentioning names, but there are some people that believe if you keep a day, everything else is okay. Or if you say, I, I do not commit adultery, but I, I steal. Or you say, I don't steal, I do this. So if you, you broke one, you broke all of them. Which was a very difficult, thank God for grace. Thank God for grace because it, it, none of us would have qualified. It was very difficult for the, for the Jews to, to, to live under the law. It was so, thank God that Jesus, you know, what, what, what amazes me is when Jesus came onto the scene, they resisted him. They resisted the man who was coming to liberate them from this bondage. You know, imagine, imagine circumcision. I think about circumcision and I'm, I'm so glad that it's no longer a qualification to become a, 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 a Christian today. Can you imagine the pain that you had to go through? Can you imagine the, oh man, thank God for Jesus. <laughs> I'm very thankful. Especially, I'm sure every man is grateful. That we, it's, not, it's no longer a qualification to, to, become a, to become a child of God through that. But um, this is, a, and there are so many other things. You look at uh, the sacrifices that people needed to do to bring a lamb. Imagine if, if, if we were still under the law. Every Sunday that I will have to come in with my own goat. I have to come in with my own lamb. And Pastor Chris brings his own and so and so brings their own. Can you imagine the slaughter? Can you imagine what the vegans were going to do to us? <laughs> can, you, can you imagine what, what, what the... the can you imagine the smell? Can you imagine the, 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 the bleating of the sheep and all that? Can you imagine... Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for grace. He, he really freed us from all these things. Amen. I hope we are, we are going somewhere. I've lost my track. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, he, he also talks a lot about uh, the law, that we are not justified by the law, but we are justified by grace. We are justified by the blood of Jesus. We don't need to be good people. We just have to come as we are. And the good thing is once we have encountered him, we, we don't remain as we are. He transforms us. That encounter with God transforms you. It causes you to want to be more and more like him. Yes. Amen? Yes. And then um, it talks about grace. That's another topic that it, it looks at. Grace is undeserved favor by which God offers forgiveness to those that violated his commandments and therefore do not deserve his reward. How amazing is that? That you, you have sinned, you do, not you do not deserve his reward, but by his grace you are invited in. By his grace, you, imagine if, if, if God was use this to qualify. Most of us would not have gotten in. Imagine if God was as corrupt as men. We would only invite our friends. We would only invite people that we like. We wouldn't invite our neighbor because she's not too noisy or all this. A lot of people would not get the invite. Some people just don't like how you look. You know, say, his face annoys me. 
they are kind of <laughs> they are kind of people that are like that. Imagine if that if if those people were God. <laughs> Amen. Romans 5, 1, 2, 20 and 21. By God's grace, we rejoice in hope and receive righteousness to eternal life through Christ. Since the old law never justified us from sin, everyone who violated, who violated it would stand condemnation. One had to live a sinless life in order to have hope under the law. But the gospel provides the sacrifice of Jesus that can forgive sins. So we now have grace, favor with God that we did not deserve. This is the basic difference between the, law, the works of the law and grace through faith. You know, that you, it's not your qualification. It's not what you have done. It's not how good you are. It's not how eloquent you are. It's not how well you sing, how well you dress. It's not how, how, how tall, how short, how skinny, how fat. It's, it's oh, almost said fat. Yes, fat. <laughs> it, it's not really about that. It's just... The, just receiving Christ, just acknowledging him, he invites everyone in. Amen. Amen. The other part the Romans focuses on is faith. Faith is belief and trust in Jesus and, and his gospel message. Romans 5.1, we are justified by faith as we have peace with God through Christ. This is one that I really love, that we are at peace with God. You know, we were at war with God before, but by faith into the gospel, by faith through Christ Jesus, we are at peace with God. We have been reconciled. We have come back to God through faith. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that it's, it, it, it's scary to be at war with God? It's scary to be at war with God because imagine the, the ammunition that he has, what he can use what he can use against you, but to know that with his capacity, you know, you know, when you look at uh, the world today, the, the structure of the everyone wants to be friends with the superpower. Every country wants to be friends with the superpower. Everyone wants to be friends with America. They want to be friends with China because they know that they don't want to go to war with these people because what of their, their capabilities. But we, we don't have to worry about that. What we, we are glad about is that we are at peace with God. Amen. Um, that's quite a revelation to know that I'm at peace with God. I can go to sleep not know, knowing that it's just not going to kill me. Praise God. When it starts raining and there's thunder and lightnings, I can walk knowing that it's not, he's not going to strike me because I'm at peace with him. Amen. Praise God. Now, the other, the other thing that uh, Romans focuses on is obedience. Obedience means keeping God's commands or instructions. Some people claim Romans prove that since we have saved by faith and grace, obedience is not necessary. Good, goodness gracious. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Wow. Obedience is way better. You know, you, 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 it's better to do it right the first time to know that I don't have to come with a sacrifice and apologize. The, the, the thing with the church today is we now sin presumptuously. 
we sin knowingly that we can always come and say sorry. We sin knowing that we can always we can always repent, which is so bad. Wouldn't it be good to know that I I I, I am at peace with God? Yeah. I don't have to to hide when God is calling. Nowadays, the kind of prophecy that we have in the church is that prophecy where we we you know we 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 just uh, I see these good things and a long time ago, prophecy was scary. When I first came to Christ, we were, we were afraid of prophets. We had old men in the church that could smell it on you, right? When you meet him, he would know where you've been. This is how scary they were because they, they saw in the spirit. They would tell you, they, you, you get straight. But nowadays, prophecies, oh, bloody uh, dada, these things, uh, I see, I see you are, you are, you're going to buy a beautiful house, the Lord is with you. Yes, the Lord is with you, but you have to be obedient. You have to be straight. Praise God. You know, it, uh, it's scary that these days we have people that stand in front of the church, but yet living in sin. We, we need to, to, people that fear God in the church, leadership, that, that are so afraid that if I am not straight, I'm not going to stand up here. This is the thing that I've never taken for granted myself, standing in front of people when I know I'm not right with God. Even when I know I'm not right with my wife, I would not stand in front of the church. I want to make things right with her first. Then I know I can stand here. I am at peace with God. You know, this is, uh, this is what, what we need to do as Christians, knowing that even the Bible says, if before you put your offering, before you put your gift in the basket, go and make right your, your relationship with your brother. But we walk years, 20 years, and I haven't spoken to my brother. 20 years, the person next to me, I haven't even said hi to them because I, I just don't like them. You know, or they, they, they said something, we were serving on the same team and they, 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 they said something that I did not like. And, and the thing about unforgiveness is, it's you who is in prison, not the other person. Because you hold yourself back. They, they don't even know. Sometimes, and the, the thing that I've realized that makes me mad is that when, 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 when you are upset with someone, when you, are, when you don't like, things go well for them. They actually prosper. They actually, they actually prosper because we, we kind of think that if, 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 I, if I don't like them, then God doesn't like them either. But it's completely different. You know, and, and they, they will prosper in your face. Is that, is, does that sound right? Yeah, they, they get a promotion and yet you don't like them. You, 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 you wish they get fired and they get a promotion instead. Praise God. <laughs> oh, yes. So in, in order to receive eternal life, we must patiently do good. Praise God. To be set free from sin, we must obey the heart, the heart and doctrine that delivered us. Romans teach, uh, teaches as do many other scriptures, to that obedience in the gospel is essential to salvation. Now, it's, it's, it's very, very important to obey. There are so many times where God says something and we disregard it 
and we pay the price for disregarding. There are so many times where God has told me to do something and, and I just think, ah, maybe it was just me or I'll, I'll do it later or procrastination. I'll do it later. And then later on you realize, and the good thing about it is God always tells you, it was that time when I told you not to do this and you did it anyway. You disobeyed it anyway. The difference between Saul and David is Saul was disobedient. Whenever the prophet came and told Saul what to do, Saul was not immoral. Saul never take anyone's wife. Saul never, Saul had actually one wife. He's one king that never had concubines. He had one wife. But David had all sorts of miscellaneouses and other things and mischievouses. But the good thing about David, he, he obeyed whenever he was told to do something. He left everything and says, I am dirty. Wash me, Lord. Wash me by the haze of your spirit. I am filthy. Praise God. So that's the difference between Saul and David. Obedience is very, very crucial to live a holy life. When God tells you to do something straight away, David says, you spoke once and I heard twice. What a heart. Where God speaks once and you, you hear him twice. Praise God. Let us just be obedient. Oh, thank you, Lord. Romans 1.5, uh, obedience to faith. Uh, Romans 2, so I'm, I'll just go over some scriptures that you can take down and read in your own time. Praise the Lord. I'm not very good at following notes, you can see that. <laughs> now, Paul, Paul talks about being called to become an apostle. He was, called, he was, he was also called an apostle, compared with uh, Galatians uh, 1, 1 and 15. Uh, in many of Paul's ep epistles, he affirms that he has been called to be an, ap uh, an apostle to the Gentiles, mainly because Paul was called to, I mean, Peter was called to the Jews and Paul was called to the Gentiles. If you look, Paul is the one who, who wrote most of the, he, he wrote most of the books in the, in, the, in the New Testament and he really focuses on teaching the Gentile that the Gentile is part of the, part of the plan of salvation. Whereas the, 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 the Jews, the ones that are called to the Jews who say, Jesus Christ came for the Jews. And in, in reality, the Jews come first. It's to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Judgment to the Jews first and to the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. Let's see how far. How much time have I got? I'm good? I've got seven, seven hours to go. <laughs> Okay, now um, I think I'm done with the notes. I'll go to the Bible. <laughs> I'll go to the Bible. Isn't that better? So when you look at chapter 1 in, uh, in Romans, Paul talks about how he longs to, to visit the Romans. He had never visited the Roman, uh, the, the Roman church. And he says, I wish to visit you when I get the chance to do so. And then... Uh, he also talks in uh, chapter 1, verse 17, it says, 
for there is the the righteousness of God is revealed through faith faith as it is written as it is written the just shall live by faith this is one of the main the, the, the one the main verses that I really like in the in, in chapter one where it says the just shall live by faith he shall not live by the law he shall not live by his cunningness he shall not live by his intellect he shall not live by his money in his wallet he shall not live by his job he shall not live by his status in the community but he shall live by his faith praise God how, how good is that that your faith comes on the forefront your faith is above everything else, above the, the degrees that you have, the qualifications that you have, uh, the, above everything else. This is the core thing, the, the main important thing, that when people talk to you, what, what you introduce yourself by is your faith. You don't introduce yourself by that I'm an engineer or I'm a, I'm a bus driver or I'm a, 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 I'm a, a carpenter or I'm a butcher. I am, this, my, I am a man of faith. I am a woman of faith. This is my label. I live by my faith. I don't live by anything else but my faith. You know, when, when I get sick, I, it's not that I know a good doctor, but I, I know I've got good faith. Praise God. This, this, is, this, is, this is so profound. They just shall live by faith. You know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good that if all of us as Christians, that our faith is on the forefront, that we develop our faith more than we develop anything else. We hone our faith more than we develop anything else in life. More than how good our makeup looks, you know, how on point my makeup is, my faith is more important. How good I dress myself up. My faith is more important than anything else. The just shall live by faith. Praise God. Run with that. Run with that when you go into business. The just shall live by faith. Praise God. When you raise your children, it's not how well educated, how, how, how a good school you send them to. But the just shall live by faith. Let it be the first thing that your children learn. Faith. More than anything else, let them learn faith. Let them know that they've got a God who is so faithful. They've got a God who is so powerful. Let, them, let it be the most important thing that you teach. Even when in your, in, your, in your connect groups, focus on faith. Because faith is the currents of heaven. Faith is what unlocks the doors of heaven. The, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews 11, it is impossible. To please God without faith. It is impossible. So, so, so when you live by faith, you know you are pleasing to God. It's more than any sacrifice you can bring. It's a sweet savor. Faith is a sweet savor. Praise the Lord. I'll jump on to, you know, the, the thing, my preference would have been to really delve deep and, you know, maybe go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but we'll just skim through. <laughs> Amen. Probably tonight I'll only go up to uh, chapter chapter eight. Yeah. It's too big to do in one night. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now chapter two really uh, he Paul in verse seventeen he talks about caution against being a hypocrite. You know he, he talks about um, how can you teach others. If you are not obedient yourself, 
How can you stand and ask people and require other people to, to be obedient to God, but you as a preacher or as a teacher or as a leader, you are disobedient yourself? How can you preach against adultery when you are living in adultery yourself? How can you preach against lust if you are lustful yourself? So he says, watch yourself and do not be a hypocrite. Watch yourself and live by what you preach. And I always say the greatest message you can ever preach is the way you live. It's not what you say. It's just the way you live. You know, that's one of the greatest messages we can ever preach. Your life is a, is, is, is a letter that the world, your neighbor is a, the, 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 probably your neighbor is one who describes you more accurate than anyone else. To tell the very honest truth, they know the way you yell at your children, the way you, you yell at your husband, you yell at your wife. They know the times that you come back at night. You know, they, they know quite a lot about you, to tell the honest truth. And, 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 and you cannot claim to be a Christian, and yet you live the other way. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? <laughs> Praise God. Chapter 3 talks about... Um, how God is faithful and just. I'll try and pick up a scripture here and there that we can, um, we can uh, zone on a little bit. Uh, verse 9, it says, uh, it talks about no one, no one is, uh, no one is, is right. There is no one who is wise. Okay, verse 9 says, What then? Are we better than they? He's talking about the ones that are in sin or the Gentiles. No, in no, in, no, in no wise we are. We have before proven both Jews and Gentiles that they are. We are all under sin, as it is written. There is no one righteous, not one. There is no one that understands and no one that seeks after God. You know, all of us has fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. We are all under sin. But we thank God that, we thank God for Jesus. We thank God for the Holy Spirit that even as we live in a world that is so depraved as, as it is today, that we can stand up and say, God is on our side. God, we are under God's grace. Praise God. Have you ever noticed how the world has changed in the past five years? You know, so much has happened. I, I, I get so amazed. You, you, you go to the shops, you see people with name tags. Nowadays, that they've got he, she, they. You know, it, it's, 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 it's now so complicated. In the past five years, you know, I was, I was, I was watching this comedian who says, a friend of mine says, I invited a friend of mine to dinner. And he says, uh, I'll bring a friend. He says, yeah, yeah, bring him. He said, no, 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 them. He says, okay. So yeah, I went and bought a lot of food. And then he shows up with one person. And I asked, where are they? He says, they are here. Well, tell them to eat all the food. <laughs> Praise God. So we are, we are now living in a, in, in a world so complicated that it's, it's very hard now to know exactly what to call people. You know, and, and we are supposed to conform to that. It brings a lot of rebellion in me. We are supposed to conform to these things. At work, you're supposed to, to address them. And, you know, I, I identify as this, I identify as this, I identify as that, and I identify as this. What a lot of nonsense. <laughs> Praise God. 
praise God. So this guy, this guy shows up to work uh, late, and they tell him you're late, and he says, "No, I identify as on time." <laughs> praise the Lord. So chapter four, justification through faith. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, and sorry, our father is pertaining to the flesh, is found. For Abraham, for if Abraham were justified by works, he would therefore not glory, but not sorry, he would therefore to glory, but not before God. He's talking about Abraham, you know, believing. He's, he, it was credited to him as faith. Because he believed. He was justified by faith. Now Abraham, Abraham was before the law. So he was not justified by the law. God says to him, he's righteous because he believed. You know, isn't it amazing that it's way back before the law that someone was justified by faith. And on the other side of the law, today we are justified by faith by just believing that God is. That, that is our justification. Praise the Lord. Saying, oh, this one is uh, the one that David writes. I think I'll, 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 I'll go back a little bit. Verse 6 of chapter 4. Even as David also uh, uh, describes the blessedness of a man whom the Lord imputes righteousness without works. Saying, blessed, is, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and those whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man whom the Lord does not impute sin. Praise God. That, that's so beautiful. That blessed is a man whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man whom the Lord does not impute sin. The Lord does not keep record of your sin. This is so amazing that, you know, we, we, we sinned before we came to Christ. But the Lord is no record of that. We, we record ourselves. We keep record of the wrongs that we have done, but the truth is God does not record that. God, God does not even, we think, you know, this is, the, the, this is the other problem when people come to Christ. They think because of where I have been, I'm not worthy to become a Christian. I'm not worthy for God to use me. But, but the Bible here is saying the Lord has no record of that. You know, you know you, you should, when the devil reminds you of the wrongs that you have done, just turn around and say, you are the one who has got a record, but God has no record of my sin. God has no record of anything that I have done before. What a wonderful God we save. You know, you, clean, you start on a clean plate. Amen. As if you have never sinned. When you come to Christ, you're, you're starting. This is why he says we are born again. So we are starting on day one. What we did before is not remembered. Praise God. It's so wonderful. You know, you, we should really get excited by things like that, that we are, we, God does not remember what I did. He chooses. For his name's sake, in the book of Hebrews, it says, for his name's sake, he chooses not to remember our sin. Praise. Not for our sake, but his sake. For how good he is, he chooses not to remember our sin. Amen. Chapter 5 talks about being justified by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. By whom 
also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Praise God. We, when we are tried, when we are tested, we, 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 we develop patience. We, you know, you know one, one thing I like about God, one thing I love of, about God is he does, we don't choose where he exercises us. You know, when we walk into the gym, when we walk into the gym, there are some machines that we don't like to go on. But when you walk into God's gym, you don't choose. He, he chooses where he exercises you. You know, and, and, and in faith, is if, if, you, if you struggle with patience, God will always put something that will test you. That person at work will always tries your patience over and over again. Even if they get fired, they hire someone else with the same problem. You know, it, until you are developed to a point where nothing frizzles you anymore. If, if, until you become patient. You always, you know, so whatever you are, whatever you are being tested it, you are, you know, the thing about God, he doesn't move you forward until you qualify on this level. Amen. Until you qualify on this level, you don't go to the next level. You always have, if you've got anger issues, they, they'll always, 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 they, they'll, I was going to say piss you off. They, they, they'll, they'll, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yes, they will piss you off <laughs> all the time. They, somehow, somehow, they, 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 will, they will just come. They will just come until you've managed to harness your anger, until you've managed. The Bible says he, a man who does not self, have self-control is like a war whose war is like a, a city whose walls are broken. Praise God. If you do not have self-control, all the time, something comes up until you learn to control yourself. Amen. There is a joke that is told of, um, <laughs> of these three ministers. So they were pastors in different their churches. And so they, every now and then, they'll, they'll, they'll go away fishing, the three of them. So they say to each other, we don't have, um, you know, our congregants come to us to confess their sins, but we don't have anyone to confess to. Let's confess to each other. So the first guy says, my problem is I steal money from the church. This is my weakness. I, money is, is my weakness. And the second one says, uh, adultery is my weakness. I, I have a problem with women. So the third guy is quiet and they ask him, why, what is your problem? He says, when can we go? I really feel like I need to tell someone this. <laughs> so his weakness was gossip. He needed to find someone to tell these things. So we all have our weaknesses. And, and, and God, you know, the thing about God, he wants us perfect. So he's always, always putting these things in front of us so that we become perfect. We become processed. We become developed. We become, we, you know, all the time. I don't know what your weakness is. You know, I wish we had the time to, to go around the room and ask, what, what is your challenge? <laughs> what is your challenge? But you know, the good thing about the Holy Spirit, he tells you, you know what your challenge is. 
You know what your challenge is. And, 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 and if, you, if you observe, you always are challenged at that until you qualify. You know, I always say, there's no way you will say you are not a thief until you have been tested to steal and you didn't. Wow. I'll, I'll say that again. Yeah. There's no way you say you are not an adulterer until you've been tested to commit adultery and you didn't. Because some of the things that we judge other people by, saying, ah, who didn't do that? If you have been, you know, tested at that and qualified and you did not do it, then you know you cannot do it. But if you've never been tested, do not judge anyone. Because you've got your own challenges. You know where you fail. And this is, this is why I always encourage, let's pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues. Because there are things that I would never pray for in my own language. If I am lustful, I can never pray and say, God, remove lust from me. But when I pray in the Holy Spirit, when I pray in tongues, then the, the Holy Spirit is praying over those things that I do not normally pray for myself. He continues to pray on my behalf. Do you, do you know we are full of handles that the devil can hold on to? We are full of handles. But when we pray in the Spirit, those handles will begin to fall off. And when he tries to hold on to you, you do not have those handles anymore. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Praise God. So we are justified by Christ and he tests, he tests us in patience. He tests us to develop our experience and our patience and perseverance. Praise God. What's the time? I can't. The clock is not working. God's time? Can I have my phone so, so I know what I'm doing? 6.36. Praise God. Ah, the green one is the clock. Okay. I thought I thought it was 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30 o'clock. <clears throat> Praise God. So chapter six talks about walking in the newness of life, being 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 born again, being uh, you know. It says, "What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? May abound? God forbid! How shall we that?" that are dead to sin, how can we live in sin any longer? Praise God. We cannot sin because we are dead to sin. He talks about a, 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 a woman who is married. If, if her husband divorces her, she cannot remarry because she is still tied to him legally. But if he dies... If he dies, he's free from, 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 from that bondage. Same as sin. We are no longer married to sin. We are, we, we are dead to sin. We, we have died to sin. How do we live in sin anymore when we, are died in, when we are dead to it? Praise God. So, if you're still living in sin, then you are not dead to sin. Very uncomfortable as it is. Because probably sin is just fainted in you. It's not dead. But we need to kill the sin. You need to die to sin. And, and, and be observant. The Bible is saying sin, not sins. There's a difference between sin and sins. Now, sin is the root of sin which Jesus took care of. When Jesus hung on the cross, he dealt with sin, S-I-N. 
But we, st- we still struggle with the acts of sin, which is S-I-N-S, sins, which are just acts of sin. But we are delivered from the root of sin. We can still commit these little acts, but we are, sin has no hold on us. As a root, it has no hold on us. We can sleep here and there, but we are not under the, 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 the we are not under the rulership or leadership of sin. We, we have been delivered from it. So 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 sometimes I, we are not yet perfect. We may fail here and there, but we are not under sin. We are, we are not under the bondage of sin anymore. When Jesus hung on that tree, he delivered us from the root of sin. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Praise God. Amen. Now, uh, I'll go to chapter 7. I'll read verse 7. What shall we say then? Is sin, sorry, is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I have not known sin by the law. For I had not known last except that the law said that I should not covet. But sin taking occasion by the commandments wrought in me manners of, oh geez, this is a complicated word to, to, to pronounce, Con- concupiscence. <laughs> For without the law, sin was dead. So see, law, the law exposes sin. If there was no law, then we would not know what sin is. Does that make any sense? If you are driving on um, the Ennis and they have not put the, 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 speed, the speed signs, if there is no sign to tell you what speed to go, there is no law on what speed you should drive on that road. But the moment they put that sign that you are supposed to do 100, you are supposed to do 80, you are supposed to do 70, then it exposes sin. So the law was there to expose sin. And then Paul goes on to say, I, I struggle with sin. I, I want to do good. Um, I, I, I desire to do well. But because of the sin that is in me, because of this flesh that I am wearing, which is under sin, because of this jacket that I'm wearing, I war with myself because I seek to do good. How many times have you wished you had done well? How many times have you wished you, 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 you could be a good person? But because of who you are, because of the state that we are in, because of the world, because we are still living in this world we still struggle with these things but thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ thank God for the blood of Christ that it is covered by the blood it is covered we get strength in knowing that Jesus has overcome it we get we get confidence that Jesus walked on this earth in the same body as I walk in today but yet he did not sin what an example you know he, he walked in this body and yet did not sin. And he has given us an example. He has given us a way. And the good thing is he has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us every day when we are walking, when we are talking, when we are thinking, when we are doing this. We know we got the Holy Spirit to whisper in our ears that this is not the way to go. This is not the way to go. Do not say those things. Although you are going to say it anyway, but he told you not to say it. You know, we, 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 we live with the Holy Spirit who constantly reminds us, who constantly reminds us. He gives us a conscience that tells us when we do wrong. Praise God. 
That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the gospel. That we, we, we have a structure, we have an example. You know, these things have been done before. The apostles did this before. We are not inventing anything. We are not inventing anything. You know, I don't care what you do. You cannot invent any sin. The Bible says there are only three things in the world. The last of the eye, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the only three things that anything that we ever come up with it falls on those three things. Even when Jesus was tested in the wilderness, it was on those three things. Even when Adam and Eve were tested in the garden, it was those three things. Those are the things that we all struggle with. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So if we know, if we know that when Jesus conquered, he conquered all of them, he did not miss, we deal with details, but God deals with categories. So even when with our struggles, if we, even in our blessings, God deals with categories. We deal with details. So you should know that whatever you are doing, it falls under a category that God has already dealt with. God has already done it. He already knows what you are going through right now. There is nothing new on this earth. Even Solomon says there is nothing new on this. Everything has already been done before. So we, we, we think maybe we are living in the hardest of times. We are not. It's already been done before. Praise God. There's no excuse to tell the honest truth. There's no excuse not to pray. There's no excuse not to live a holy life because it has been done before. Praise God. Is that good? Praise God. God is good. And I, I'm so excited about these nights. I know we, 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 God has so much in store for us as a church. There's somewhere where we are going. If we keep focus, if we, if, if maybe one or two, you know, you know, I, I remember a conversation that God had with Abraham. When, when God is, is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, there's this discussion where Abraham says, if there's 100 people, will you destroy the city for 100 people? God says, no. He kept on reducing the numbers, kept on reducing the number. So I'm saying to you, if there is only five people in our church, we will become focused. If there's only five people in our church, we would live a holy life. We will go a long way. If there's only five people who are going to say, I'm justified by faith, I'm going to live by my faith. We will go a long way. We are not going to struggle with disease in the church. We are not going to struggle with all these other things. If we have people that will say, I am going to live by my faith. I'm not going to live by anything else but by my faith. Praise God. I'm not going to live about by, by, by how much money I earn it week, but by my faith. Praise God. 